Hey, 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 hello everybody. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Not Rocket Science. I am Sean Gale. What is going on? Hope you guys are doing well on this chilly, chilly Monday in November. I am recording this day of release, Cram Sesh, November 12th. I was too busy slash lazy this weekend to record it, so I'm doing it now. We'll do it live. How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well here. I'm uh, recording this in between work and gym. I feel very structured these days. Very like Soviet Russia with my schedule. Wake up, I go to work, come home, I do this, I go to gym, eat dinner, take shower, go to bed. That's my day today. So I got a few things left, but the work part's over and that was the hard part. So that's good. And the commute. I have a long commute. This might not mean much to people outside of New York. I don't like being hyper-local with my little, like, remarks or whatever, but my commute, I live in Brooklyn. I live in central Brooklyn, so central Brooklyn is about a 20-minute subway ride, at least where I am. Twenty, It's like 20 minutes to a half-hour subway ride to lower Manhattan, you live in central Brooklyn close to the water, so on the west side-ish, that's roughly how long it takes to get to downtown Manhattan. Whereas if you live in the north part of Brooklyn, if you live in like Williamsburg, for example, you can get to Union Square in like 10 minutes, maybe under 10 minutes if train's really revving and going well and stopping quickly but for where I am it's like 20 to 30 minutes I live about a five-ish minute subway ride from the Barclay Center 20 minute walk um but just to put things in perspective where I, I I am working in the South Bronx so I'm going from central Brooklyn to the South Bronx every day and back so it is a commute is a commute and a half but it's not as bad as commutes other people have to do because the 4-5 train the 4-5 train is the express train through Manhattan so once I'm out of lower Manhattan it's actually fairly quick ride 20-25 minutes up to Harlem and then I connect to the 6 
and that's another two stops which is about another seven minutes or so um overall it's a pretty it's a pretty long commute but if if i had to take local trains every day it would be over two hours one way it would be ridiculous i'd quit my job and say screw this i'm doing my own thing so for now it's all right but it's crazy how long of a chunk your commute takes out of your day because we live we used to be located in long island city which now Amazon's taking over, <laughs> funny enough, because we're in, we are competitors to Amazon in the food delivery business. But uh, we used to work in Long Island City, which is about a 35-minute commute from where I am to 40 minutes. So that was way better. And I'm just, I'm feeling this extra 40 minutes and change every day. Um so I get home now and it's like seven o'clock and I'm like, shit, I got to do a podcast. I got to squeeze a podcast in and then I got to go to the gym because I'm trying to get my health on. I'm trying to stay clean ish. Although I kind of failed this weekend a little bit, but whatever. Um, man, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to be a little more regimented in my older ish age these days. So so far, I'm, I'm keeping with it. You know, I cheat here and there. I drank a little this weekend. I've really not been drinking much um, in bulk, per se. <laughs> I've not been partying. Um, but this weekend, went out for drinks Saturday. I only had like four. Because I had... I generally only drink vodka sodas these days if I go to a bar. And then... Uh, so I had a few of those, and I came home and... I have wine with the lady, so I had a glass of wine, and then the next day, Sunday night, I also had another glass of wine. So that's a lot of drinking for me in one weekend these days. I'm really trying to scale back on that, but, uh, you know, when you're in social situations, things happen, and uh, it is what it is, but I'm trying. I'm trying to stay disciplined, and I'm still using this app. I'm, I'm surprised I'm still using it, so I've been really into uh intermittent fasting i've been for a few weeks now doing it i want to do it full time like i just want i want intermittent fasting to just be the way that i eat from now on other than certain days a year very few um but for the most part but my concern has been to track my times i've been using this app called zero it's pretty popular it's it's been mentioned on lots of podcasts that are a million times bigger than this one um it's been on joe rogan's podcast i don't know if he's actually used it he might use it uh it's been mentioned maybe tim ferris might have mentioned it on his podcast i don't know but as far as intermittent fasting goes it's probably the most well-known app um i think i mentioned it last week maybe i think when i was starting it or i'd been doing it for a week but i like it and I've been using it. I'm just concerned of can do I have the mental discipline to keep using it like forever, basically, or do I get to a point where I get my routine down so well I don't need it? But what I like is it tells you how long an hours each day was, so you can kind of look at an aggregation of your whole week and figure out which days you're barely hitting that 16 hour fast. Other some days you go ham and you go 20 hours. Um, it all depends. So I like seeing that visually. 
but it's like, am I really going to use a tracking app for the rest of my life? That doesn't sound very fun. So I don't know, but right now I don't have any fatigue using it. I like it. I'm a little scared for the holidays coming up. I mean, there's certain days where I'm just saying, screw it, like uh, Christmas Day. I'm not going to do intermittent fasting Christmas Day. I'm not a communist. I'm not a Nazi. I'm not in the Taliban. I don't do that kind of thing. Christmas Day, you eat breakfast. You eat your goddamn Cinnabons and bacons and frittatas and pancakes and waffles. You go ham on Christmas. So no fasting that day. Christmas Eve is going to be tough. Christmas Eve is going to be very tough for me too because I usually start my day in New Jersey at my parents' place, take trains and go to Long Island to have early-ish kind of like lunch, dinner, dinner as I call it, with my girlfriend's family. And then I take the train back home and I go to my next door neighbor's house because they throw a huge Christmas party every Christmas Eve, well, Christmas evening, um, the evening of Christmas Eve, damn it, and they got the Italian catering with the fucking lasagna and the pasta with vodka sauce and the, was it, chicken francese, that, like, lemony chicken francese, francese, I think. And freaking, they got chicken rings, which are delicious, kind of like chicken fingers in onion ring form. And uh, yeah, pasta vodka sauce, d- deli spread, gabagool, and the turkey, and the pepperoni. It's just, they got everything. Full bar. So, like, I do that every Christmas Eve. And I don't know how I'm going to do intermittent fasting. I think the plan is going to be just don't eat till I get to my girlfriend's family's house and then go ham. And then I'm not fasting the next day. So whatevs, that scares me more actually than Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, kind of have a plan with because I usually eat around 5 o'clock anyway on Thanksgiving, right? So it's not that hard. It's just don't eat before you have your Thanksgiving dinner and then don't be a glutton which is the harder part during thanksgiving dinner so i think that will go okay but this weekend i got a friendsgiving situation on sunday so it'll be a good test run but i'm definitely feeling the results when i stay disciplined and in my eating window i'm not eating like crap i eat like crap it kind of mitigates the benefits but when you're eating healthy food within your eight hour window and then fasting for 16 you feel the difference, and I've lost some weight, actually, um, since I started doing this. I've kind of plateaued right now, um, but I haven't been the most disciplined the past week. But I think when I started doing all this stuff, I was 193 pounds. And now when I go to the gym and weigh myself consistently, I've been around 184-ish pounds, 184, 185, somewhere in there. So I took some of the bad weight off already, which is pretty cool. So it definitely works. It definitely works. And the more disciplined you are with your diet along with doing the fasting, the more benefit you'll see along with your, your gym activity. Um, I also suggest at the gym, even if you're a girl and you don't want to put on any muscle, you're just trying to like lose weight 
um, and stay thin. Definitely doing some sort of strength training will be a benefit because it'll just it just tones you up like a little. Like I feel a little bit more toned, even though I've only been doing this very shortly. And I can tell mixing cardio with strength training, maybe not in one session, but I mean in like a week, you have some workouts that are more strength focused, other ones more cardio focused, or you can do a little bit like you can do cardio as like a warm up and then do strength training, which real trainers will tell you not to do because then you're not going to be able to exert full energy, but it works for me. Um, I don't know. I like the feeling of that. Whereas the flip side, what they'll suggest is to do strength training first and then cardio second. I see their point. It just doesn't feel as good to me. But regardless, if you do both, you're going to get some results either way. Um, But that's why I'm doing this. I'm trying to get my skinny, fat ass in shape, and it's sort of working so far. So we'll see what happens here. But a lot going on in the news. A lot going on in the news. First off... uh, Shit, rest in peace to Stan Lee. It happened today. I heard Stan Lee passed. I mean, he was 95 years old. That's, come on. Like, that's, he lived a very good long life. Um, but sad regardless, man. Dude was a huge, huge innovator. Created a franchise that's basically fueling the movie industry these days. Along with DC, but Marvel... Marvel is, you know, that's where the money makers are in the movie industry these days. So the legacy he left was ridiculous even beyond that. A lot of the biggest tech entrepreneurs in the world right now, you know, they were computer programmers, engineers. They were nerds growing up. They loved comic books. I mean, I think Elon Musk today tweeted out uh, like some rest in peace statement where, he, you know, he lauded his innovation and delight and how he had such a big impact on so many people from a innovation and imagination standpoint. He definitely did. And he seemed like a cool guy. I liked how he always had cameos in Marvel movies and was just kind of like the cool old guy. And then he'd like show up at Comic-Con and just be like riding the ride, you know? I think uh, the world recognized how much of an innovator he really was later like later in his life whereas he was a big time comic book creator obviously but i don't think the genius of what it takes to create a comic book empire at the scale of marvel wasn't recognized until later in his life i think earlier in his life people really aren't weren't looking at comic books as like a high-level art form people just kind of took it for granted you know spider-man you know huge success of course but they looked at comic books like they looked at you know children's cartoons or something it was all it wasn't the innovation behind it wasn't really recognized for what it is but now and i think a large part due to hollywood and more so just the audiences being so receptive to these blockbuster hollywood comic book movies that recognition of you know mastery when it comes to imagination is finally being recognized so r.i.p to stan lee man crazy also it's really unfortunate all these wildfires happening in california holy shit 
I've always had this dream of just like saying screw it to the East Coast and moving out to California. But when I keep seeing these things every year, it gets gets a little scary. And uh, this year, it's like the worst ever. There was uh, the wildfires in Southern California that made all the Richie Richies in Calabasas and Malibu and places like that have to evacuate their houses. Um, which sucks. Doesn't matter how rich you are. It's scary. And then there is this northern fire that broke out out of nowhere and, like, is, like, one of the worst fires in history. And over 20 people reported dead and, like, 200 people are missing. It's crazy. I had no idea until earlier today. I think it, like, happened really quickly or something. And what's confusing about it to me is that it's just called campfire. Like, the hashtag on Twitter, everyone's just calling it camp. I'm like, campfire? I'm like, what the fuck is campfire? Like, is that the, I'm still slightly confused. Like, I think it's at a camp. Like, is it a place just called campfire? I don't know. I don't know. I know it's in Paradise, California. I know it happened at a forest or campsite in Paradise, California, which is north. That's like weed-growing country, California. That's way north of San Francisco, where everyone's basically just hippied out, you know, growing weed and trying to sell it. At least before it was legalized, that's what it was known for. Like, I knew people in Palo Alto, and they just referred to that whole area as just, like, weed-growing country, more or less. But, yeah, that really sucks. Really sucks. I wish, uh, I always wish, wish we can just dump the excess rain happening here over there. It's, uh, it's weird how it always works out that way. We always get too much rain. California does never gets enough rain, it seems like. Sucks, man. It really sucks. Sucks, 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 sucks. I'm going to try to go out there in April, though. Check it out. Kind of get a feel for it from a living standpoint with the lady friend, see what's up. But, uh, yeah, these wildfires are no joke. Those pictures on Twitter, man. There's no national disaster to me that is scarier than wildfires because it just straight up looks like hell because you got these photographers that are pros and they got the lighting just perfect and it just looks like hell on earth crazy shit but um hope they stay safe i hope these things get put out soon and it you get some damn rain out there but that might just be wishful thinking they might have to do it with uh fire hoses I don't know. I don't know how forest fires stop, to be honest. I have no idea. Something I've literally never thought about till right now. Like, how do forest fires end? Because I think the crazy big ones, like firefighters, can't just put out, can they? I know there's a whole strategy to, like, containing the fire. Like, when a building catches on fire. Um, but when it comes to forest fires, I don't, I don't know strategically how people try to put it out seems like a different kind of beast you know anyway i've been out of the loop a little because i've been kind of busy i feel like having a time off like on saturday i went to a conference for work it has to do with product management i'm not a product manager but i do user experience design and product management is very closely tied to that so I like to go and learn about 
product development practices, product management practices, product innovation ideas. And the folks that put this panel on, I used to work with, work for. So I kind of know about what they're trying to do. So somehow I got the company to pay for it, um, which I feel a little bit bad about because my company isn't exactly killing it financially at the moment. But that aside... Got them spring for it, went to the conference, yada yada. It was cool, but one thing one thing I keep thinking about when I go to these conferences or go to these networking events is like, wh- what do you guys feel about networking events? Like, are they not really fucking weird to you? People that go to them. Like, I understand it's a really important to network. Your network is you know gold really it's one of the most important things that you build in your career and it's one of the main differentiators when it comes to you one year into your career versus 15 years into your career but fuck man these networking events i just can't do it i don't know what it is i just don't like the feeling it feels something about it feels very superficial to me i think that's what it is it's like it reminds me of like a dorkier version of like hollywood parties or just these after premiere party thing i've so let me let me back up a little no i'm not an actor nor have i been an actor in a past life but before i had much of a career um, my really good friend, actually multiple really good friends of mine work in the theater community and then sometimes TV movie community. They're directors that do fight choreography. Some of them are actors. But the point is, is a lot of my friends from childhood are in that industry. And I've been fortunate enough to tag along with them sometimes to premieres of big time plays um just random actor mix-up parties things like that and before i had any professional career experience i got more of a taste of what that world is i also know a couple like somewhat highish profile actors so i've gotten a glimpse into that world and you know, I've had some crazy experiences in that world. Like, I found myself just smoking weed with Woody Harrelson one time. That's probably the best one, to be honest. At his own, at the after party of his own play that he directed himself, sort of, about his life. And I wound up being in a big cipher with him, man. And his brother, who looks just like him but has longer hair. And is a little shorter and looks a little more weathered, believe it or not. Um, yeah, his friends, Woody Harrelson's childhood friends are an interesting group. They're like half biker gang, half like burning man hippie and ha- or no, it's like a third biker gang, a third burning man hippie and a third like Key West partier kind of just like living it up in Margaritaville every day types. Um, but anyway, the point being is I saw the dynamics at these kinds of parties and what goes on. And it's just an 
ass-kissing fest. It's just making out with the asses of people who are higher up than you in the food chain and just desperately, desperately trying to get ahead in the most just shameful ways. Not that they're like doing crazy stuff, but just the the way people approach other people and try to initiate conversation is the most cringy. They'll look for any kernel to gain a connection with you, but it's usually the same shit that the other person's already heard a million times. And you can tell them just tolerating you, tolerating you, tolerating. It's 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 fun to watch if you have no dog in the fight, but part of me is very sympathetic to the people that have to network in that scene. And I'm not saying these professional networking events are quite like that because there isn't the same level of just grossness and ego involved and superficiality, but there's still a little bit of that. And what I don't really like about these events is like they just kind of put you in a room and are like, go, network, get your food and network. And it's like you're sitting at tables with people that you don't know and you're like, hi, how are you? Where do you work? What are you about? And then they give you the whole spiel and sometimes they're just really like pitchy about it and you're not trying to one-up each other. You're trying to have a genuine conversation, but some people, but you're also trying to put your best foot forward. And when you do that, it becomes sort of like a sales pitch where you are kind of like trying to one-up the other person without actually consciously trying to. The whole thing is just a weird dynamic. And I'm like, everybody is here to put themselves in an advantageous position, right? Like, are people really here to just make real friends? Because I've never made a real friend ever in my life by just, like, being in a room with someone and randomly small-talking with them. It's called small talk for a reason. And I know small talk, you usually just talk about, like, the weather or some bullshit to kind of just tolerate each other and push things along. But I feel like these networking events, you talking about where you work is small talk and... You find yourself doing things like if you don't like where you work or if you feel inferior in where you work compared to the other person, you start like making excuses for the place you work, but it doesn't even need to have excuses like, oh, I work in the Bronx. Oh, I work in an incubator in Flatiron District. It's like, oh, yeah, the Bronx, uh, it's, you know, it's a longer commute kind of kind of takes a lot of my day but but it's like I don't fucking care if I work in the Bronx unless the commute gets too much and then I leave but it's like to me it's like you work at an office in the Flatiron District I work in the Bronx who fucking cares you're still working for somebody else you know what I mean like to me that's been my biggest struggle with working in corporate America is this idea that like I'm just a spoke in the wheel working for somebody else and it's the main reason why I eventually want to break off from that and do my own thing entrepreneurship wise I'm just still trying to figure out what to do exactly in a way that's cost effective as possible Um, I'm still sorting through all that but the point is is like to me having an ego attached to your job title it's insane and I didn't even have any like talks where some guy or girl was being really egotistical about where they work or anything. It was just, I was just monitoring the room and just kind of like looking at people and the dynamics of these networking conversations. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I get any value out of them. That's kind of where I'm at now. I feel like for me to get 
networking value with somebody or a collection of people, I have to have a shared experience with them. I have to go through something with them for that relationship to have any real like long-term value. I have, I mean, I'm sure there's people in networking events that hit it off perfectly, become best friends and start crazy companies with one another, but I just haven't seen it with my own eyes yet. And, uh, most of the ones that I go to, it's just cringy, man. It's probably me. It's probably self-inflicted for sure. But I just find it very just hollow on a macro level. It just feels hollow. And I don't know what to do with the people that I meet. Like, do I call them to get brunch? Do I fucking pitch my non-existent billion-dollar idea to them? See if they're interested? Like, what the hell do I do with them? I don't know. I feel like a lot of these conferences have these networking things just because they feel like they have to. And it's part of the deal and it justifies the price tag of like $500 to attend something for seven hours of people just talking. I think that's part of it. Because it's like, you can network and who knows where that might lead you. It might lead you to your next job where you make, you know, a third hire of your salary, whatever. Where you start a startup. It's like, it's a very attractive thing to pitch and sell to justify the cost. But I don't know what the takeaways are. I really don't. Other than you get to talk to the panelists on a more granular level about the things that they talked about. That I get, but that's not really like networking, networking. That's more, on one level, I guess it is because you're putting your face in front of that person. Therefore, they're more likely to know you and recognize you. Um, but on another level, it's more just getting more insight for yourself, I feel. Whereas in networking, it's more about ha- trying to establish real relationships in a way that's just super not realistic. Because, uh, I mean, I have a hard enough time staying in touch with ex-work friends. You know what I mean? People I actually worked with every day, let alone random strangers that I meet at events and shoot the shit on for about 10 minutes somewhat awkwardly i also had two awkward interactions with the two uh people i knew from the organization that threw the event like i don't know with me when i haven't seen a work colleague in a long time particularly if they're a guy no sexist i'm just saying like i generally say hey how are you doing and then i do the handshake right just like a little like work friendly handshake maybe that's fucking weird i don't know i don't know but like to me that's just standard practice I don't know, my dad was in sales, and salespeople do that stuff all the time. I just feel like when you haven't seen somebody, but you know them, you you shake their hand and say, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. But, like, I tried doing that. I mean, I was dead at this. I I didn't sleep well the night before. Uh, My eyes were burning. I was in the middle of a fast, so my blood sugar was probably low. I wasn't thinking that clearly, and that sucked, too. The other thing is these these events do not cater to intermittent fasting (laughs) at all because i was 12 hours into my fast at lunchtime i had another four to go so i didn't eat lunch i just got a snack held on to it and ate it later but point being was i was basically a walking zombie but i saw these people i knew who were super busy but they recognized me they called out my name so i'm like oh hey person how you doing and i went for the shake and I was 0 for 2 on the shake. The first time, the other guy was going to pat me on the back. 
and I went for the shake. So he pivoted, and then we eventually got the shake, and we tried to do like I don't know, like one of these like bro shakes for fun. But I, he was kind of initiating it, and I was like, oh, I'll go with it. But then he didn't go all in with it. It was weird, but it was cool. He he, you know, it was fine. He 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 got it okay. Then the next guy I did it to, who was the higher up guy, he was like one of the heads of my past companies. He recognized me. He had no intentions of shaking my hand whatsoever. He was just going to say my name, say how's it going, and then keep on keeping on. But I went for the shake, threw him off guard, and he got totally thrown off guard, kind of like half raised his hand out at me, and we did this super awkward shake, um, and then pretended nothing happened and just went our separate ways. So that was weird. Um, But yeah, at that point I was such a zombie, and I... My blood sugar was probably so low that uh, I didn't even realize it till hours later how awkward those two exchanges were. And uh, yeah, I might uh, might be the last conference from this organization I attend. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, it wouldn't be for another year, but I don't know. Overall, the conference, these conferences, I just I don't feel like I take a lot of value away from them. If I'm being honest, that's just me. They're interesting talks, but I feel like I'm just watching some interesting talks, and that's about it. But I don't know, maybe I'm just a socially awkward weirdo. Maybe I'm just not cut out for that kind of thing. If you guys have any thoughts on this, please hit us up on Twitter, at NRS underscore show. I like to know, I don't know, like... Are there anyone out there that's just super jazzed about these things and just feel like they're the best types of events of all time and rather go to work conferences than like Coachella or Summer Jam or Electric Daisy or something like is anyone just like all about these things and just like gets a ton of value out of them and just killed it networking and maneuvered in their career path because of these types of events or is it all for show I don't know I'd like to get some thoughts on that uh even not even to get like a real twitter thread going or anything just dm even just i just want to get any feedback if people attend these work events and feel like they're super valuable and worth the 500 600 700 thousand two thousand dollar price tags because i don't know man i feel like that it's one of these little like businesses that are being created just creating these massively expensive events that are one-day events with speaking panels but uh, i don't want to i feel like i'm being a a negative shithead right now because i feel like people overall are trying to make something positive for their given community so i commend them for that it's just for me something about it just feels slightly off slightly robotic and slightly fake when it comes to the interaction but that's just me that's just me. I digress. Um, so, yeah, that was my Saturday. And then got drinks with my boss afterwards. We just kind of shooting the shit for a while. And then I went home. And then Sunday I was so wiped I didn't do much of anything except sleep and hang out and worked on a little side project I got going on. And that was it. And now I'm back here doing this podcast that I think I'm going to wrap up. I did not prepare much this week. I will be 100% honest with you guys. Because of how busy this work week was and how just zapped I was on Sunday. I didn't go to the gym either, which I'm about to do now. 
So I'm going to leave it there, man. Theme of the day, work conferences. Are they worth it? You into them. Because uh, I don't know anymore. I might be done for a little while with these things. Even I think meetups on a smaller level are a little better where they're smaller groups of people, a little more focused. It's not as overwhelming. There's not 200 people in a room scrambling to talk to one another or not. So meetups, I'm a little down with, but these bigger conferences, not quite sure. Let me know your thoughts. Hit us up, NRS, at NRS underscore show on the tweeter and on the on the gram. And, yeah, I think I'm going to call it, man. I think I'm going to call it 35 minutes in. Another episode in the books. I was not planning on having work conferences being the topic of the day, but it kind of worked out that way. Um, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys have an awesome week and you get some time to do what you want to be doing. And, uh, yeah, everyone in California stay safe from these fires. And uh, RIP to the legend, Stan Lee, single-handedly fueling the imagination and creativity of the movie industries these days, at least at on a high level, on a blockbuster level. Uh, rest in peace. All right, that's all I got, guys. Thanks for listening. Take it easy, and uh, see you next time. Peace.